Create for No Reason is your weekly dose of courage to stop making excuses and start bringing your ideas to life. Hello, hello. I hope you are doing awesome. I was just working on my newsletter and it was inspired by the incredible Tony Robbins. And he said, what is right is always available. What is right is always available. And I love this because it's a reminder that no matter what's happening in our days, no matter what's going on, all the craziness of business and life and family and jobs and relationships and all of the things that we have going on, there's always things that are going right. Yes, there are always things that may not be going so right, but it's what we focus on. And I think why this hit me particularly hard today was because I've been thinking a lot more about stoicism. And that's really just that idea that there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't control. And when we focus on the things that we can control, we live a richer life. We live a more fulfilling life because we're focusing on what we can control instead of complaining about or talking to other people about all the things that we can't. So what is right is always available. Anyway, you'll get my newsletter. If you're on my newsletter, you'll get the whole the whole thing. And of course, I share journaling prompts and book recommendations as well. But that's not what this episode's about. <laughs> this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Larissa Harrington, because as we talk about in this episode, so many of the creatives, so many of the people that I get to interview on this show, when I ask them what is one activity that they can share to help to help us live a more fulfilling and creative life, there have been quite a few people who have said meditation. And part of what Larissa does is really help people with their meditation practice. And so it was a really fun conversation all about mindfulness. And we talked a little bit about burnout. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Larissa is awesome. She is the owner and founder of Strong by Nature LLC. And she's also a 20-year Air Force veteran, wife and mother of two. Larissa utilizes her extensive education and experience to support the holistic well-being of her clients. And she has a deep understanding of how unmanaged stress and anxiety affects all aspects of life and believe that well-being encompasses mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, and environmental components. One of the reasons why I really love talking to Larissa is her calmness. You know when you meet people and they are just so calm? and peaceful. And you're like, how do you do that? <laughs> That's what I feel about Larissa. She is awesome. I enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. Larissa, I am so excited that we are doing this. Me too. Thanks for connecting. And I'm so glad we get to finally like chat outside of Clubhouse. I know. Well, this is so funny because we, so Larissa and I were supposed to have a, a virtual tea. That's what we were going to do, have a virtual tea. And then last <laughs> night I texted her. I'm like, hey, by the way, that virtual tea, do you want to just turn it into a podcast? Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? I know. There's, I've had so many great calls with people where I'm thinking, I wish this would have been a podcast because so much amazing stuff comes up out of it. So I am yeah. down. Well, that's why I thought it would be fun because I have to say one of the questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of the show is, 
what is one activity that you can give the listeners? They can do 10 minutes or less to help them live a more creative and fulfilling life. And more than one person has said meditation. So this is why I thought it would be really fun to just have this call and record the podcast because this is what you do. I mean, you are, you help people with burnout, you help people with meditation. And I thought, oh, this is going to be such a fun conversation because when, when I think about creativity and doing the work that you know you're meant to do and feeling like you're on purpose and being fulfilled in life, meditation comes up for a lot of leaders. It's a, it's a practice that I feel like a lot of leaders have, and it's also a practice that a lot of leaders resist. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, how did you get into this whole genre of meditation and burnout and all of this fun stuff? Um, oh, how did I get into it? I, so I, 20 something years ago, I was working at a gym and I started taking yoga and I was like, oh, cool. It was just Stanga yoga. It was super powerful. And I thought that that's all that yoga was like this class that I was taking at the gym, but I fell in love. And so over the years, then I became a yoga teacher. I started doing my own like deeper practice and getting more into like the mental health and holistic well-being outside of just the physical aspects of it. Because when I first started, I'll be honest, I thought it was just to get stronger and more flexible and like look cute, right? Like when I, I was- <laughs> Long and lean. <laughs> right? I think I was like maybe 20 years old. I was less than that. I was in my teens, right? When I started and I thought that was what yoga was. So I started there and then I started my own journey and was working with people. And then, you know, fast forward to really working with high achievers. I was working, I still work with wounded warriors and really understanding me getting a better understanding of how much more there is than just the physical practice. And so as I started doing that work and seeing how in my own self and then with my clients and seeing what's possible when we do that, the slowing down and the really connecting in with ourselves instead of this, what I was seeing a lot of like that external thing of like, well, I, I'm supposed to do this and this is what I should look like or what I should be doing. And, you know, now where it's so much more internal. And that's where I feel really drawn. I still love a really vigorous practice myself, but like from a teaching perspective, I really love helping people slow down. And it's really cool. The other, I'll just share a quick story. You know, I know you talked about creativity and it's not necessarily just art, but it was cool. In one of our group sessions, we were doing a practice. And then sometimes at the end of a, a meditation practice or a visualization or something we do, I'll say, okay, and check in and notice what's coming up for you. Is there anything you're feeling called to do? And this person started like drawing and she said, oh my gosh, I haven't drawn in years and years. And I just felt called to do it. And it was just a really cool thing of what happens, you know, when we slow down and really can connect in with who we are instead of being pulled into what we think we're supposed to do. Mm. Or, you know, that there's no time for drawing, right? When you're busy, I work with entrepreneurs and leaders that are, are really busy. Like, oh, I don't have time to draw. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to go for a walk. It's like, well, we can make time. We make time for what's important. 
Oh, it's so true. What a beautiful example. I love that you said should a couple times. And I think that word shows up for people a lot. The I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Even when it comes to meditation, right? I should meditate an hour every single day. What trips people up when it comes to just kind of shooting all over themselves? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think so much of it is that people don't really even realize how their beliefs are showing up in their life and how their beliefs might be actually holding them back from, you know, abundance and happiness and all all the all the things that they say they want. Because it's well, even talking about meditation, well, I should be able to meditate and not think. Or I should be able to sit on the floor with my legs crossed. And there's all of these things around, well, I can't do those things. So I'm a failure and mm. I'm not even going to try. And like how that's showing up in all the different areas in their life of being pulled into what they think they should be doing versus saying, well, I don't have to do things the way that I did when I was younger. I don't need to do things the way that I see other people doing. Like, let me really slow down and connect in with how I feel and what I need and what I want. And recognize that, you know, we can all be unique and we don't have to look like anyone else or do things like anyone else. And we can still be, you know, enough. So I have had the opportunity to go through a meditation with you because you do, that's part of what you do when you are on Clubhouse. You lead us through, you guide us through these beautiful meditations. And one of the things that I really appreciate is that you talk about you could be sitting on the floor, you could be with your legs crossed, or you could be laying down, or you could be working out, or you could be walking. I love that you remind people that meditation is a practice that is not just sitting on 20 fluffy pillows with lavender and candles all around you and everything, because I happen to be when normally when you are doing your segment, I am working out. And so it kind of pushes me to be a little bit more intentional with my workouts, which I love. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about how there is no right or wrong way to meditate? Like, what does that look like for those people that are thinking, but this is what it has to look like. And you're saying no. So what, is, what are the, what does meditation look like? What is it supposed to be? Yeah, I love that question, Kate. And I think part of it is Seated meditation is a thing and there are lots of benefits to doing a seated meditation where you're not working out and you're not cooking or doing all these other things. There's benefit in that. But that doesn't mean that if we can't do it that way, then there's not going to be benefit in just, you know, this mindfulness practice. And so I talk a lot about, you know, and there's mindfulness versus visualization versus meditation. So kind of talking about it um, from that broader perspective, as far as just slowing down and paying attention, being in the present moment versus a seated meditation. And so I know a lot of people, I um, sometimes love doing a seated meditation. And I'll tell you, I cannot, after 20 plus years of practicing yoga and working out and being a gymnast and all the things, I cannot sit comfortably on the floor with my legs crossed. Right? Like that just does not work for my body. It creates more pain and possible injury for me. So I don't do it. Right. I sit on a cushion or I sit on a chair. But there are so many other ways that we can practice mindfulness, like you were talking about, like when you're working out, where some people are working out, but they're already thinking about what's coming up on their day 
and they're not even present in the moment of the workout or they're, you know, getting their kids ready or they're eating their breakfast, but they're still not present. And so what I do in, in clubhouse is really like starting the practice for people of slowing down and paying attention and getting rid of the idea that it has to look or feel a certain way. And, you know, all of the work I do in, in Clubhouse and what I start clients with is just this practice of slowing down and learning to be with what's present instead of feeling like we need to do something differently or that there's an emotion that's coming up that's really uncomfortable. So like, let me just push it down. Let me avoid this thing that's there and I'll distract myself with something else. It's getting people to this place of maybe sometimes starting to just feel safe in their own body and with their own experience. So starting, you know, I love meditation on doing those practices on Clubhouse because a lot of people will say, I've never done it or I used to do it. I tried it before and I hated it, you know, and now like you're the first time doing it with you is the first time I actually felt calm or felt okay doing the practice. So I would not say, hey, you know, there's no benefit to ever doing a seated meditation, but it's a starting place and not just a starting place, but also start to take this into your everyday life period, right? Even outside of if you are doing a seated meditation every morning and every night, start doing more mindfulness practices throughout your whole day instead of feeling like that's the only time you should slow down and pay attention. And you talk about noticing at the end of your meditation, you ask us to recognize how do you feel? What do you notice? And I, I'm, I'm actually reading this book called The Art of Noticing, which is so good. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I've never even heard of it. It's such a great book. And what I love about it is that we, there's so much that we just don't notice throughout our day, right? Just not only mm -hmm. just things that we pass by that we don't even see. We might go, we might take the same route to to the office or the grocery store and just not even recognize the, the, the buildings that you're passing by, which I find so interesting because we're just so used to it. So I think about that a lot when it comes to emotions. How many emotions are you not really noticing? Or like you said, you're pushing down because it's uncomfortable and we don't want to feel a certain way. And I love that you invite people to notice how they feel after they're doing a meditation. And when you work with your clients, because I just wrote this down, this mindful practice, because I like this idea of every day having more of a, a mindful practice throughout your day of noticing like when things are happening and how you're feeling while they're happening. We live in this world where there's just technology and we have so much information coming at us all the time. Mm -hmm. If someone is just kind of overstimulated all the time, how does one get out of that and instead add these pockets of mindfulness practices so they can start to notice a little bit more about how they are really feeling and what they really do want out of life? Yeah, I, that's a great question, Kate. And I think, you know, part of it is people have, how do I say this? There has to be enough pain sometimes for people to say, I want to do something differently. Because what you said is so accurate. And there are so many people that are just kind of going through life without enjoying any of it, without being present for any of it. 
and it's just distracting themselves with things or numbing pain with things and saying, well, that's just the way that it is. And they continue on that path. And so it's when people finally say, hey, I I don't really want to keep living like this and I'm going to start doing something different, you know, and I love I love Clubhouse and how many people are there sharing information, you know, education, motivation and inspiration, right, reading books and stuff. But sometimes people need to have that support to be able to go deeper and to be with those really uncomfortable things. Because what I hear very often is when people start doing that practice and they start to recognize their emotions or maybe past trauma that they've experienced, things that are coming up that feel really hard, it's not necessarily safe for people to go through that on their own and so sometimes it's saying hey I don't want to keep feeling like this so I need to get support with processing these things that are coming up and that's the difference in you know the meditations that I do on clubhouse and I offer a lot of free resources for people versus the people who are working with me as clients it's because it's that safe community to be able to start to process those things that are coming up that they have been avoiding for sometimes decades. Oh, I know we can, we sometimes just don't want to admit certain things that we feel, which Mm -hmm. is because it's a lot. It can be a lot. What do you find is the biggest challenge that people come to you for specifically? The biggest thing like that they're struggling with. Yeah. I mean, burnout. And, and that shows up as really just feeling exhaust, exhausted all the time and not enjoying any aspect of their life. And so it gets mm. to when people finally come to work with me, it's that they're like, I don't think I can keep going like this any longer. And, you know, we talk about abundance and their health, their business and their relationships. It's like, I don't feel good in any area. I'm working really hard in my business, but I'm exhausted all the time. Like my health is, has taken a back burner for so long that I don't have energy. I have brain fog. I don't sleep well. And I notice that I don't have patience or compassion for the people in my life that I, I love. And I want to be able to have more meaningful, beautiful relationships with, with family members. And so it's when people finally come, it's, I'm trying to think of an incidence where it's not, but I feel like yeah, almost every single time it's because of those, all of those areas, they don't feel satisfied or fulfilled. How do you know if it's burnout or you're doing the wrong thing for work? How do you know that it's burnout and maybe you just need a break versus you are living a life that's not even meant for you? How do I know? I don't think I do know, right? There's been some people who have worked with me and because I don't necessarily focus on that at all in working with people, I work on teaching people mindfulness, self-love, awareness, helping people with boundaries and communication. So sometimes big life-changing decisions come from that work where it's leaving a relationship or leaving a job. Um... But it's more that they come to that conclusion because they are reconnecting with themselves. And when they're able to recognize what it is that they want and need, desire, they're able to make those decisions from a really clear and confident place. And so, and as I, 
I do coaching that's partnering with people that I don't tell people what to do in any area. It's just helping reflect back what I what I see, what I notice, asking powerful questions, holding space for those deep emotions. And a lot of big stuff happens in that in that space because they're able to slow down and connect in with what's really important for them. So when you're when you're working with your clients on burnout, could you share an example of an activity or something that you do to help them work through that? And or are they like very specific? Is it very specific coaching? Yeah. Um, what is something? It's hard because I don't do specific like this is for burnout. Like let's do this thing. It's all of like teaching people how to recognize what they need and then speaking up for themselves. And so it's having teaching people how to have a healthy and effective communication or uh, conversation with a significant other asking for support. But that has to first start with helping people recognize that they're worthy of support because just about every client that starts to work with me, they can't say and feel that it's true that they're worthy of being supported because there is a belief in just about every single person that I've ever worked with. There's this belief in service before self that they are supposed to serve and take care of others. And their belief is that that's more important than their own health and well-being. So it's like, it's this layering that we have to start there with awareness of what's showing up, what's real for them, and then looking at what the, what are those beliefs that are actually keeping them from moving forward, right? I'm trained as an executive coach as well, and leadership coaching and all of that, but I don't want to tell people or just say, these are the strategies to, you know, be a more effective leader or to prevent burnout, because it's also looking at where you are. And like, I want people to really feel and believe it and not just kind of say, fake it. Okay. This is a strategy. This, you know, I'm going to do these. I follow atomic habits too, right? Okay. I'm going to do these habits <laughs> and I'm going to follow these, this leadership training that I did. But when we're not really healing the things that need to be healed and recognizing the beliefs that are, that have gotten them to where they are now. So I didn't really answer your question, but <laughs> like, well, I think you yeah. did. I mean, you kind of did because it's about, I mean, to me, the way that I interpret how you answered it was, is really, you have to assess where you are. You can't move forward until you actually take an assessment of where you are and what does that look like for you? I'm sure burnout looks different in the different people that you're coaching. There's a lot of similarities most likely, but if it's different, but if that one if that one piece keeps showing up, which doesn't surprise me because worthiness issues is one of those things where I feel like it's such a deep rooted issue among so many individuals. It's so crazy, mm -hmm. but being able and, and having to face that can be uncomfortable. So if you're able to kind of help them get to that place where they feel comfortable to not only assess that that's what, what they're feeling, but then come to terms with, okay, what does it look like for them to, to take that first step? to start to feel worthy, to start to feel more, more like they are enough, which is yeah. the place where we all should be, which is a beautiful place. Yeah. I just want to add real thing. I'll tell you a secret. And that most people that come for burnout or that say they're burnt out, they're not like 
really in burnout based on the definition, right, of that chronic stress, stress and exhaustion to where when they're in burnout, they are often depressed. They're not doing the work anymore. They are so exhausted that they've la they lack the motivation to even want to go to work or want to do things, right? Like when they're in that true burnout versus where I get people, it's just in that exhaustion where they still want to show up and they're still pushing to try to take care of everyone and everything, but they're just exhausted and they don't like their life. And so it's that difference of not being all the way to where, you know, like calling in sick, not going to work anymore, depressed. Like when I'm working with people more often than not, it's just they're exhausted. They don't sleep. They feel like crap, but there's still that desire for them to want to take care of everyone around them. Mm. People are fascinating. People are fascinating. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by, especially this kind of work. I think it's so interesting as, as a coach. I mean, I'm a, as a coach myself, like I see so much, but this particular creating a mindful practice, mindfulness practice, I find to be so helpful because it's so needed and necessary. And I feel like we just live in this world where we just, oh, uh, we value complexity when all we really want is simplicity. And how much simpler can you get to just kind of quiet down your mind and reflect on what it is that you want and who you are and that you are enough and you are worthy and all of those things, which is beautiful. I'm so curious because this is what I've been thinking. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know if you work with your clients on this, but I've been thinking a lot about self-sabotage mm -hmm. and self-sabotaging behaviors. Do you find that your clients are, are self-sabotaging a little bit? Yes. And I, I know that word and I don't even like to use it, but yes, those behaviors. Why don't you like are, to use it? The, the languaging around like self-sabotaging and not loving ourselves and the things that people are doing because they don't believe that they're worthy of love. And so like, I don't necessarily talk about it a lot in that way, but yes, I see those behaviors showing up for people often where it's, they say one thing and do something else that is contradictory to what they say that they desire. And so it's helping people, um, you know, a lot of the work I do is just helping people reframe and their languaging around their, their actions, their beliefs, helping, you know, when people say, oh, I, um, let me think of an example, like them hating themselves and why am I, why am I always doing this to myself and I'm such an F up and, you know, like the negative self-talk. So yes, I definitely see that happening often. And, you know, it still goes back to healing past trauma, healing old wounds, helping people love and trust themselves sometimes for the first time. I think that's such a fascinating, that's, that's like a whole other podcast. I feel like you could have it, you could have like its own, you could have its own show about self-sabotage because I, I, I see it so often in clients and friends and I know I've done it in, in the past too. And so uh, again, I'm so fascinated by the human mind and why we choose to do what we do. 
especially when it is that we usually know what it is that we need to do in order to create the life that we want to create. But we don't always do the right thing. We don't always do the thing that we say we want to do, which is interesting. So for those people who want to have a more peaceful, calm, fulfilling life, and they just, they don't have any kind of meditative practice and really mindfulness is probably not even a word that they use often. What would you encourage some people to do to kind of get into that state of more peace and calm? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of starting with simple things like taking three deep breaths, right? If you're, if you're never doing those things and I hear people say, I go walk every day. And so it's like, sometimes I forget that some people don't go outside in nature and don't work out at all and don't eat foods that are nourishing for them, right? Don't do any of those things. And so bringing it back to me, what is like one of the most simple things is taking a few deep breaths and just starting to pay attention to how it feels to breathe and notice what's happening in their body. Side note, um, yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah, I was leading a session and somebody, we were doing this noticing practice and checking in and she was noticing like stuff happening in her body that then prompted her to say, I think I need to go to the doctor for this. And it was just such an interesting thing of like how many people are like running around going through life and not even recognizing that there's something wrong or there's something that doesn't feel right in their body, but they're ignoring it or just not even paying attention enough to notice that it exists, right? So just in this practice, we were doing something called a a co-meditation. So it's like doing a meditative practice, but the other person is speaking out loud instead of, um, you know, oftentimes in a guided meditation, the other person is silent. So it was just an interesting example of like what happens when we can just start to slow down and actually pay attention from this place of curiosity and non-judgment instead of feeling like I'm, I'm supposed to feel this or, you know, this is a good or bad or right or wrong thing. It's like, hmm, I'm noticing this thing exists where people, you know, I think you probably hear me often talk about like, oh, maybe you need to use a restroom or hydrate. People will message me all the time be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I've been holding my pee for hours. Thank you for that (laughs) reminder, right? Like it's something so simple, but sometimes people need those reminders. So simple way to start. I say take three deep breaths and just notice and check in. This is going to be, I I still have questions about the whole breath work thing when it comes to yoga. Is it in through the nose, out through the mouth, or is it better? It like, which is like the best way. And I'm not even joking, Larissa. I am, when I'm doing yoga, I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I just, I read this book a couple of months called, called breath by James Mm -hmm. Nestor. And it is, oh, have you read it? Yes. It's such a great book. And at the very end, he shares all of these breathing exercises, which I found to be very helpful. But when I'm doing yoga, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Is it in through the nose, out through the mouth? Or is it in through the nose, out through the nose? What, please, this is, I need to know. So I can do this during every session. (laughs) I I love that you brought this up because I know that there are other people who have that same question. And the answer is, it depends. Oh, of course it is. Right? There's a ton of research that shows that breathing in and out through the nose is, right, quote unquote, most beneficial. But there are also times when breathing in different ways can have benefit. So it's like, what is the purpose? 
of what you're doing and and even in a yoga practice like what are you doing in the yoga practice and i know i have been in classes and i've seen teachers who are like it's you know it's like a really fast flow class and you're supposed to breathe with the movement and people get so confused and then shift into what you were just talking about like i'm doing this wrong and i'm having to think so hard about how am i supposed to breathe and for me i'm trained as a trauma-informed and accessible yoga therapist as well as you know mindfulness teacher and it's just breathe like just start there if you're noticing that you're getting so wrapped up and am i breathing the right way you've, you've probably lost sight of like what you're actually doing <laughs> so just breathe <laughs> right i want to get all the benefits i'm like i want to get all the benefits and if <laughs> if i get if i get a tenth more benefit if i'm breathing through the nose and out through the nose i yeah. want to do it that way you'll That's, get a tenth more too... benefit by not over analyzing <laughs> how you're breathing and just breathe <laughs> Is that, does that show you too much of my type A personality? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's sometimes, and you'll see, I guide it often in our meditation practices too, where sometimes I'm like, okay, let's experiment with breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth. Right. And notice what that feels like and make noise when you breathe out through your mouth and relax your jaw when you breathe out through your mouth. Right. Is that to say that you should always breathe in through the nose and out through your mouth? No, but sometimes there's benefit in doing things differently. All right. I did not get my answer that I was looking for. But... <laughs> Breathe in and out through the nose. Slow oh, and smooth. Right? I and love then there's it. like, oh, well, breathing, you know, five counts in and five counts out is the most beneficial way. Sometimes, <laughs> right? Like, and sometimes not. Oh my gosh. Larissa, what uh, do you find particularly fascinating these days? What are you finding interesting? I don't know if this is too heavy. What am I finding interesting? I'll just share the first thing that's coming up for me. Um, and it's this like either or thinking around stuff. And so just some, you know, things that are going on in the world. And so many people get into this mindset of like, it's either this or that, right? Like it's either like, well, you're talking about mental health, but really we need to talk about gun control. And it just as an example of things that I'm noticing. And so I just feel like we need more of the both and in our thinking in so many different areas of life. Like just because we're focusing on one thing doesn't mean that another thing is also not important. And I don't know if we want to call this fascinating, but that's just the first thought that came up when you asked me that question. Yeah, is no. how curious it is for me that I see so many people in that state of like only wanting to focus on this one thing when we can focus on both. I like that. It is a, it's funny because as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about some of the conversations that I've had over the past couple of days and, and it can be very true with, with some people. And we forget that there are, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray. Things are not black and white and there is a lot of gray. So Cool. Um, all right. You know, I already told you I asked everybody this, which I feel like I already know what you're going to tell people to do. But what <laughs> for listeners, what mm -hmm. activity would you give them to, in 10 minutes or less that they can do to live a more creative, fulfilling life? I'm going to say something different. I will say turn on some music and dance. 
Oh, I love that one. Yes, to dance and feel your body moving and let go of all the tension and tightness that you're holding on to in your body. Put some music on and dance. I love it. If you had to listen to the same song on repeat tomorrow, just for a day, 24 hours, what song would it be? Mm, probably This Is Me. From oh, the from The Greatest, greatest Showman? Showman? <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a great song. I was listening to, I get real fixed. I love asking people that question, even though they always hate it because they're like, they always, people are like, no, I would never want to do that. I'm like, really? Because I do that all the time. I get fixated on like one song and I'll listen to it like over on, <laughs> over on repeat for maybe not for 24 hours, but definitely for hours on end. And I've been doing this forever. I don't even... It's been a long time. I still remember uh, my a boy, a guy that I dated in college. He, he like called me one morning and I was listening to this song. And then he called me later that night to like check in like we were going on a date. This is before we had cell phones and everything. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had to actually call my landline like, are we still on? And he was and he was like, are you? are you seriously still listening to that song or did it just come on again sporadically? I'm like, Oh no, I've been on repeat on my CD player. Cause that's how old I am. So, but there, but that song from the greatest showman, uh, never enough. Oh, I was, I listened to that over and over too. Isn't that the most beautiful song? Yes. Oh, yes. I cannot get over it, but, and I still love it, but all right. Awesome. Well, Larissa, I'm so glad we did this. This was Me a fun too. episode. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we got to have a, a little chat. And yes. yeah, super we'll have fun. To, we'll have more. We will definitely have more. And um, thank you so much for being on the show. Like I said, I was really excited to have this conversation just because I, th I think a lot of, I mean, meditation has come up quite a few times in different episodes, especially around creativity. So I love the example that you shared with uh, your with one of your clients who ended up painting again just because of <laughs> meditation. It's such a, I'm not surprised at all. And I think it's awesome for people to just have a more mindful practice. So mindfulness practice. So for people that want to create that in their life, how can they connect with you? I know you have a lot of really great resources, some of which are free. So how can people connect with you? Yeah, my web website is Strong by Nature Wellness, and it's the same on LinkedIn and Instagram and all the places, Strong by Nature Wellness. And I offer a lot of free resources and then like different levels if people want to go deeper and do that deeper healing. Awesome. Larissa, thank you so much. And definitely check out Larissa's website. If you need a good meditative practice, come into Clubhouse and check it out. When do you do your sessions on Clubhouse? Now 5.30 a.m. Mondays and 6 a.m. Wednesdays. Awesome. I know some people are like, that is way too early, but it is not too <laughs> early. Podcast. It is not right. That's right. We have a podcast too. Um, and yes. check out Larissa. Larissa, you are awesome. I will see you on Clubhouse. Yeah. See you <laughs> and there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said in the beginning, we talked about mindfulness. We talked about burnout. We talked about creativity, all the things. And I hope that you got something out of it. And of course, I love Larissa's 10 minute or less activity of dancing. 
because every time if we're in this state, if we feel stuck, if we feel not particularly the best, having the best day, movement is what creates that push. Movement is what creates I don't know. It just changes our whole mindset. It changes how we're viewing the world. It changes how we feel. And so I love that this is a really great activity, uh, especially to help us in our creativity, especially if you are writing or creating anything. If we feel stuck, we got to move. You have to move around. Changes the way that you look at life. Changes the way that you look at your work. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate you. I mentioned in the beginning of the show that I do have a newsletter that I send out every Sunday. I share journaling prompts, book recommendations, and all just fun ideas to help you live a more fulfilling life. I send it out every Sunday. So if you're interested in receiving that, you can go to massiveoptimism.club. I also have that link in the show notes. And I'm just happy that you're here. I love that you find enough value in the podcast that you show up however you show up. Maybe it's every week. Maybe it's just throughout the month. I don't really care. The fact that you're listening to this makes me so happy. And I hope that it inspires you uh, to live a more creative and fulfilling life. And until next time, go create something. 